2: 877 381 381 The insanity of the Democrat Party and their media surrogates and the rest is just really, uh, it's hard to stomach. First, let's get some facts on the table, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get some facts on the table. The top 20% of income earners in our country pay almost 70% of the federal income taxes. The top 20% pay almost 70% of federal income taxes. The top 1% pay 40%. 40%. Which makes a lot of sense. My federal income taxes are over 40% they closer to 45%. I don't have all kinds of deductions and all the rest of it. I want you to think about that because you never hear this. Now, I'll tell you why you never hear it because it's not popular. It's not going to get my ratings up to tell you this. And the people who are involved in the American Marxist model pushing that agenda, rich against poor, rich against middle class, all this classism stuff, they're not going to tell you that either. They're going to tell you the rich don't pay their fair share, and everybody's going to nod up and down. But it's even worse. Eric Utter reporting at the American Thinker, 61% of Americans paid no federal income taxes in 2020. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? 61%. That comes from the tax policy center. You have a minority percentage of the population subsidizing a majority percentage of the population now. I'm not talking about payroll taxes. I'm talking about federal income taxes. This is shocking. It's absolutely appalling. And then we call these people greedy. They're greedy. They don't pay their fair share. Now, what it is, ladies and gentlemen... Is this? It's easy to attack this group of people because nobody's going to defend them. There's no special pleaders. They don't have a big constituency. It's better to tell the 61 percent who pay fo- no federal income taxes whatsoever in 2020 that they're the victims. The victims of what? Well, they should get more things for free. Well, why should they get more things for free? And by the way, I'm not talking about billionaires either. That top 1% includes a lot more than billionaires. The top 20% includes many of you. Many of you. That's number one. So let's get the facts on the table. Number two, this issue about reporting what's going on in your checking account, your savings account, or when you borrow money and so forth, so that the bank, the the, uh, loan institution or whatever, has to report to the Internal Revenue Service every time $600 goes in or comes out or something like that. That is audit bait, ladies and gentlemen. That's why they want to hire 85,000 new auditors. 85,000 new auditors. Over at the Wall Street Journal the other day, they wrote Democrats walked into a political ditch with their plan to let the IRS snoop on American accounts. This week, Senate Democrats, backed by the Biden Treasury, released a revised proposal that raised the threshold to 10000 The proposal also tries to dodge the change of snooping in every man by exempting wage income from certain payroll companies and Social Security checks. But most Americans could still get ensnared in this dragnet unless they pay bills and buy goods in cash. Democrats say banks will only have to report total annual inflows and outflows, not discrete transactions. But nearly all Americans spend more than $10,000 a year. So it's worse than we originally thought. I gave the example of somebody purchasing a $12,000 pickup truck, a used pickup truck. That would be reported by your bank or any institution from which you get a loan. But it's worse. It's worse. Because now the Democrats are saying, we're not talking about specific transactions. We're talking about aggregate transactions. Well, ladies and gentlemen, most people during the course of the year who are working, regardless of how they're earning their money, whether they're independent contractors, payroll, whatever, are spending more than $10,000 a year spending more than $10,000 a year. Democrats say banks will only have to report total annual inflows and outflows, not discrete transactions. But nearly all Americans spend more than $10,000 a year. The real political goal here is to create a mechanism, as I've been saying for weeks, for triggering audits of you, of you, everybody listening to me, Probably through an algorithm, so the IRS can rifle through all of a taxpayer's business and other financial records. All of the financial records. Treasury cites the case of a taxpayer with income of $10,000 and bank cash flow of $10 million. But such a case would be exceedingly rare and possibly signal criminal behavior. In other words, that would cause uh, the red flags anyway. Banks are already required to report suspicious currency transactions over 10000 that might signal money laundering, tax evasion, or other crimes. Treasury also audit rates won't increase for Americans with less than $400,000 in income. That's disingenuous. Democrats know the IRS audit trigger would be necessary to sweep in tens of millions of Americans who report less than $400,000 in income to catch the many so-called tax sheet they claim are underreporting income. So this has nothing to do with the top 1%, the top 20%, billionaires, multimillionaires. If you're in a W-2, if you're blue-collar or union or non-union, they're going to catch all of us, all of you. And I don't mean in criminal activity. I mean snooping in your bank accounts, snooping when you get a loan. But the main target here, as the Wall Street Journal points out, but it's clearly not the only target, are small businesses. Small businesses. Anyway, while tax fraud no doubt occurs, most of what liberals refer to as underreported income is the aggressive use of legal tax deductions and write-offs. Businesses that challenge an IRS audit assessment often prevail, though many can't afford tax attorneys and end up writing a check just to end the matter. The Democrats' proposal might cause Americans who want to avoid triggering an IRS audit to use virtual currencies, digital wallets, decentralized intermediaries for financial transactions, and so forth. Next fact. The Democrats want to put in place a wealth tax. This is as best as we can read the crystal ball. Because they're not providing us with this information. We're trying to read between the lines in various news reports. This is not the way a representative republic is supposed to work, is it? They're saying only six hundred to seven hundred of the wealthiest Americans will be required to pay this wealth tax. What are they talking about? Have any of you ever sold a home? Have anybody have any of you ever sold some stock? Have any of you ever sold some capital? Particularly if you're older and you're retiring, and so forth. You don't pay a tax on a capital gain until you cash it out, till you actually receive it. In other words, maybe you have one share of Amazon stock from early on and one share of Apple stock from early on and goes, Wow, I bought a thousand shares of Amazon, Mr. that they're now worth a million dollars. Well, you don't pay a tax on the million dollars until you cash it out, until you sell it. That's a capital gain tax, right? Or if you sell your home, you don't pay a tax on the increased value of your home every year. You pay a tax once you sell your home. And, of course, there's other issues there, like a uh, $250,000 floor. And I- I'm not getting into all that. I'm just making a point about capital gains taxes. Well, they have an idea, the Democrats, Biden, and the Treasury Department. We're going to tax the six or 700 richest individuals, what they mean is by that, businesses. Not based on their capital gain once it is actually acquired, but on their paper gain, even if they don't actually pocket the capital gain. Do you understand what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? Now, some of you out there maybe among the 61%. Or some of you out there, what do I care? Screw the cut. Co- Let me tell you why you care. There's not a single major corporation in America who's going to stay in this country under those circumstances. Not one. Not one. Because you're going to be paying an enormous amount of taxes on something that has not been realized yet. You're going to pay an enormous amount of taxes... On a capital gain you haven't even realized yet. Just by them looking at this. Oh, the stock went up. You owe us, uh, you know, $48 million. Wait a minute. I don't have the $48 million. I didn't sell it. Doesn't matter. That's the value. This is a wealth tax. Now, footnote that you need to pay attention to. Do you think they're going to leave it to the top six or 700 people? Or companies, I should say. Do you think they're going to leave it to them or do you think they're going to think about you, the trillions and trillions that they can pocket if one day they target you and they always expand the blanket, they always throw it on more and more people? Look at the value of your home, how it's increased It's not fair. It's not your fair share. You know, you got to give us your fair share. You need to pay a tax on that amount. Well, I haven't sold my home. It doesn't matter. This is the way the federal government's going to move in through the back door and tax your wealth. I didn't say just the wealthy. I said your wealth. They kick in the door. They target people who they consider unpopular that nobody gives a damn about. Well, look, they make that much anyway. When they're trying to set the tax and legal groundwork for you. That's what they're doing. It is an appalling fact that they're not sharing this information with us in advance. It's an appalling fact that they think they can do whatever they want to destroy somebody's private property rights and to snoop on their bank accounts. And it's an appalling fact that Mansion is now all in. And cinema's not talking but the democrats are cocky as hell and if mansion folds and cinema folds, it's over in addition to all the other all the other disastrous social engineering programs and policies stuck in this single omnibus bill which they will not share with we the people i'll be right back
0: Mark
2: Remember when Joe Biden told all of us that uh, nobody earning under $400,000 a year will see their taxes go up? What does that mean now? Nobody earning under $400,000 a year will see their taxes going up. You see how they're changing the way they calculate things? What exactly does that mean? Let me ask you folks something. There are direct taxes, and there are... Taxes that result from the consequences of uh, economic policy. Most of us are now paying at least one-third more to fill up our automobiles, our vehicles, our trucks, whatever. That is a massive gasoline tax imposed on us because Joe Biden destroyed energy independence in this country. After multiple presidents over a course of half a century worked to create a nation that was energy independent, it's so crucial that we have our own fuel. And so now he talks about begging OPEC, the same OPEC in the 1970s that broke our economy. And the result was long lines of gas stations. And I noticed yesterday, driving back home, traveling a few hours, uh, that people were starting to panic and line up at the gas stations. Have you seen that in your area, Rich? And so it was very odd. It was Sunday afternoon... I was driving there. It was around 3.30 or 4. Most people aren't even on the road. You know, they're home watching something or doing something. And I noticed that most of the pumps had cars at them or trucks. Okay, so I did a little experiment this afternoon before coming on the show. I went to the largest supermarket in the area. And there we are again. Shells are starting to be empty. I noticed uh, dairy products, of which I don't eat dairy products. just because I can't, lactose intolerant. I started to see the yogurt shelves were emptying, the bread shelves were emptying, of course, the paper, the paper towels, toilet paper, one per customer. I said, here we go again. And this has nothing to do with the pandemic. They keep bragging, ladies and gentlemen, that the reason we have inflation and the reason we have all these freighters off the shore of of these ports on the West Coast is because The economy is kicking back, and people are buying things. Well, people aren't buying things if there are no things to buy. And I talked to a dealer um, of automobiles two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He told me the situation is absolutely a a, a, a disaster. It's dire. So these are tax increases imposed as a result of the American Marxist ideology that's being imposed on you. And it's going to get worse if this is passed. It's going to be a disaster. And we will need to sweep these two phony moderates out of office. I mean sweep them out so far they won't know what the hell hit them.
1: Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877 That's the man.
2: President Donald Trump. I remember when we had a real president, don't you? I remember when they tried to destroy him, but they failed. And they're not even trying to destroy Joe Biden. He's destroying himself. Problem is he's taking us with him. He's dragging us down as well. Here's from the Hill, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin said uh, today he believes Democrats should be able to get a deal and a framework agreement for Biden's social spending bill this week. Quote: Having it finished with all the T's and I's and everything you know crossed and dotted. That'll be difficult from the Senate side because we have an awful lot of text to go through, but as far as conceptually, we should, I really believe. Manchin added that Democrats should be able to reach a deal on Framework this week, adding it really should be finished. Manchin's comments come after he met on Sunday with Biden and Senate Majority Leader Schumer in Delaware as Democratic leadership in the White House raced to lock down a deal in a matter of days. Because this is now how our government functions. Keeping you and me in the dark as much as possible. Biden wants her framework agreement worked out before he goes to a climate summit in Scotland. Telling lawmakers last week that he wants to be able to tell it as an accomplishment. Well, by all means then, let's get it passed. He wants an accomplishment. Democrats initially passed a budget resolution, blah, 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 3.5. Manchin said that his top line figure was still $1.5 trillion, but that talks are ongoing. We're all working. I, I told you also, it's not because I'm Nostradamus, folks. It's not because I'm a great predictor. It's because Manchin does this all the time. He gets your hopes up. He gets the hopes up of so called moderates. He gets the hopes up of West Virginians. Then he throws them all under the bridge. We're all working in good faith. I've been talking to everybody, as you know. I think we've got a good understanding of each other better than we ever have. Even as Manchin predicted Democrats should be able to come to a deal on the broad outlines this week, he raised concerns about several key provisions that are considered key priorities for many of his Democrat colleagues. Quote, I'm not going to talk about what's in and what's out right now because there's an awful lot of moving parts. Why not? Why the hell don't we get to know what's in or what's out? No, 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 we're going to keep it secret now, you know, so we don't screw things up. No, I want to know what's in, what's out. You damn fool. There's lots of concerns we have on a lot of different things. Manchin said he wasn't yet on board with a plan to expand Medicare to cover vision, hearing, and dental. Uh, He said, we have a moral obligation to provide for those who have incapacity. Everyone else should be able to help and chip in. So that's my mindset. I don't even know what that means. Pressed again on expanding Medicare to cover the new benefits. Manchin added, it's not fiscally responsible. I want to make sure we shore up everything. Well, why does that matter? None of this is fiscally responsible. And that's right. You're going to expand Medicare, which has two to three years of life left. You're massively opening the borders to God knows how many people coming in here, probably the millions. And so Medicare is going to collapse. And they want to also expand it by lowering the age requirement from 65 to 60. Now, think about it. Think about the buffoons and the morons we're dealing with in Congress who don't know basic math, but they know everything about critical race theory. Biden previously acknowledged it is a reach to get the Medicare expansion into the spending bill, but the Democrats were discussing a voucher to help some cover dental costs. Manchin also signaled concern with a plan pushed by Representative Raphael Warner, communist Georgia, and other Democrats to extend Medicaid in GOP and swing states that previously didn't expand under Obamacare. Medicaid is a... Theoretically, at least, legally, for sure, a shared responsibility bef- between states and the federal government. And when they passed Obamacare, the federal government, for two years, I believe it was, offered to pay 100% of Medicaid to states that would expand their Medicaid programs to include all kinds of uh, gizmos in Obamacare. And a lot of Republican governors fell for it, including the uh, the ever-big Chris Christie, among others, because they wanted the influx of money from the federal government, but it wasn't going to last And so after a few years, you go back to basics, right? And so about 25 cents out of every dollar most states spend goes to Medicaid. Medicaid. About 25 cents out of every dollar states spend go to Medicaid. And so what's happening here is Raphael Warnock, Communist Georgia, wants to compel states to expand it. It's that simple. So the state taxpayer has to pay more. Because they don't believe in the Tenth Amendment. They don't believe in federalism. They don't believe in anything except big, 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 big centralized government. Now, Manchin, his home state, voluntarily expanded, indicated he wanted more information on the plan, but appeared concerned it would be unfair to states that had expanded. What? What? I'm trying to understand that better. The problem that I have with that one right now is we're paying 90 to 10, Manchin said, referring to the federal government matching 90% of the cost under Medicaid. For states that held out to be rewarded 100%, that's not fair. So his concern isn't that states that don't want to get in can continue not to be in. His concern is they may get more money than his state. So you're not dealing with somebody who's terribly principled or, in my view, terribly intelligent. And so you have a 50-50 Senate, really with no majority. The luck of the Constitution for the Democrats gives them uh, Kamala, what's her name, dumbass? I mean, Harris? Uh, she's the uh, tiebreaker. And so they can ram that through. And then in the House, they have a, the massive three-vote margin. So they can ram it through there, and then they have the dim-witted president who can, uh, who can sign it. And that's how this would happen. Shocking. No mandate, no supermajority. They don't want to wait until after the midterm elections because they fear they won't have any majority any longer in the House. Eva Pelosi won't be there any longer, stretch. Uh, And they intend to impose this. Now, as I've told you before, even though I felt so much of it was unconstitutional, Franklin Roosevelt, he changed the nature of this country. And, of course, the American Marxist today views him as some kind of a demigod. And uh, he had massive majorities in the House and the Senate. They were massive. Massive. Did I say massive? I meant massive. And then the Great Society under Lyndon Johnson, massive majorities in the Senate and the House. Massive. After the assassination, of course, of John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson won in a landslide. There's no massive anything here. No mass of anything. So this is even worse. Not only does it violate, in my view, the Constitution in so many respects, but it's intended to push this through as fast as they can without you and me having any opportunity for input in any significant way. I hope you heard and watched Tim Scott on my Sunday program, Life, Liberty, and Levin. He was absolutely fantastic. He said the Republicans have never been consulted about anything. There have not been a single committee hearing on any of this. And so our representatives have been cut out of the process completely. This is called a reconciliation, a reconciliation between the House and the Senate. You're supposed to bring in Republicans and Democrats and so forth. It's not a reconciliation. It doesn't do what was intended to be done. A former aide, to uh, Robert Byrd, who was the big, you know, appropriations guy and was one of the ones responsible for coming up with this idea of uh, reconciliation as a way to get past, you know, blockages in the House and Senate and pull things together without a filibuster issue. He said Byrd would never have supported any of this. If he had known that this is what would happen to reconciliation, he simply would not have supported this whole notion of reconciliation, which in part he invented. Nobody would. On top of that, they want to get rid of the filibuster rule, so the Senate is no longer a Senate. It's a ridiculous body that, is, that is a, has no purpose. And then they want to get rid of the, uh, the debt ceiling. Get rid of the filibuster rule, get rid of the debt ceiling, because it's not enough for them to spend in the last year $12 trillion. It's not enough. They want to spend $20 trillion, maybe $50 trillion, who knows? So the filibuster rule really hasn't stopped them. It really hasn't stopped them. The debt cap really hasn't stopped them. But they want a free ride. Right. So what are they trying to do to this country? They're trying to turn it into sort of a neo-Marxist European country. From birth to death, welfare. Open borders like they have in uh, in Western Europe, which, which is, of course, destroying those countries. London isn't what London used to be. It's not even safe anymore. France isn't what France used to be. You see how the... Uh, Massive anti-Semitism from those who've moved there from the Middle East. Hey, look, I call it what it is. I know what's going on. So do you. Assimilation doesn't occur. The civil society is on its last uh, legs. And they're doing that to this country. They're violating our immigration laws. I've explained here and I explained on my Fox show and on Levin TV. And there's no care whatsoever. None. We just keep watching as the next care. Guess what's coming? What? 60,000 more illegal immigrants... Oh, my God, it's so awful. Well, we have, you know... Uh, Ernie Grabowski is on the border to report. Okay. Uh, okay, now what? Now nothing. Well, oh, what about articles of impeachment? No, 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 no. We can't do that. I mean, we might win. We can't upset the other side. Oh, really? Yes so what we have now is utter lawlessness complete and utter lawlessness a rejection of representative government a media a media that's turned upside down turned upside down those who support constitutional conservatism our original principles right wingers right supremacists Far-right, what do they call me, Mr. What do they call me? Far-right commentator? Something like that? Far-right commentator? I'm a constitutionalist, but that's far-right to these people. See, That's far-right. Now, have you ever heard them call Bernie Sanders far-left? Ever? Have you ever heard them call him a Marxist? Ever? Yet he's a Marxist, and he's far-left. But you haven't heard a word. How about AOC and the that crowd of, uh, of uh, hacks, Presley and Bush and uh, Talib and Omar, they ever call them radical left-wing? Do they ever call them far-left? Do they ever call them what they actually are, Marxists? No, 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 no. Why? Because language matters, and they're never going to concede what these people actually are. That's why. I'll be right back. March. Love in Um Well here's Joe Manchin saying exactly what I said he would say, Mr. Veduce. Let's go to cut eight. Go.
1: Having it finished with all the T's and I's and everything, you know, crossed and dotted. That'll be difficult from the Senate side because we have an awful lot of, of uh, text to go through. But as far as conceptually, we should. I really believe it'll, you know, and just have a lot of good faith. In it. You think there'll be a framework agreement? The framework week? should be. It really should be.
2: Sounds like an idiot. I don't need a framework. Frame. Here we are. Still wait. That was a reporter, Manju Raju. Did you get any substance out of this guy? Not a word. No, no, I can't get into details. We're still in the gut. Go- Excuse me, this is a republic. What do you mean you can't get into details? I mean, if Joe Biden can give a date certain when we're pulling out of Afghanistan, don't you think you can give the American people some details about what you're considering imposing on us? Here's Biden the idiot in Kearney, New Jersey today. Cut, nine, go.
3: My build-back cutter plan is going to ch- cut child care costs more than in half for low- and middle-income
2: Here's New Jersey a guy resident. that's driven up the price of everything. housing. Food, material, automobiles, gasoline... But you know what? Ma, we're going to cut child care costs more than half it, low, lower middle. Of oh, oh, you? We're going to do all kinds of. Oh, it's going to be unbelievable! You can't believe. Just give us more of your liberty. Give us more of your money. Oh yeah! Oh oh, oh yeah! Let us take more out of the private sector and run it through the Democrat Party base. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. it's faint That guy has never run anything but his big mouth. Never run a damn thing.
3: Go ahead. Under my plan, no middle-class family will spend more than 7% of their income on child care. Why?
2: And first of all, what's the middle class? What are the numbers? They throw these Marxist phrases around. You know, we don't have classes in this country, really. Except the IRS puts us in classes. The Democrat Party puts us in classes. The academia put us in classes. But there are no classes. Oh, I'm in the middle class. Really? Well, why don't you get out of it? Well, you know,
3: go ahead. We also extend historic middle-class tax cuts for parents by expanding the child care tax credit. Everybody talks about children, and
1: Josh has heard me say it. I view it as a tax cut. Hey, dummy,
2: dummy, we all talk about children, but your administration wants to bring the FBI in. When we talk about children... And our education system. Got it, dummy? God, I detest this guy. Who the hell's Josh?
3: Go ahead.
1: A tax cut.
3: We never have an argument when we talk
2: about the wealthy. What are you talking about, you schmuck? You're the one that used 2S corporations to get around paying Obamacare tax and the Medicare tax. This is the schmuck who did that? Just two and three years ago. Actually, one and two years ago. Because, you see, he earns over $17 million on giving speeches. Boy, I'll bet those were real barn burner speeches, don't you, Mr. Producer? Those kinds of speeches is a way, I guess, to get him money. And, of course, he had a joint bank account with, uh, what's his name? Hunter. Hunter. Poor Hunter. What a sleazeball that guy! He's a grown adult. He's a man. Chip off the old block. Anyway, uh, go ahead. This is a tax cut. Ah, shut up, you idiot! Tax cut. The biggest tax increase in American history is a tax cut. It's not going to cost anybody anything. Hey, what about those gasoline prices? Well, I don't think they're going to come down for a while. Yeah. What about all those ships off the off the coast there, genius? Well, I told them, work 24-7. But they're not. Well, I told them. And mandate, fire the cops, he says. Fire the front first-line responders. Fire anybody who doesn't do what I tell them to do. You don't have the authority to do that. No, he doesn't. But don't worry, the corporatists will do it for him. The gutless, pathetic corporatists will do it for him. So we're throwing people out of work. First responders, FedEx and UPS drivers, people who work in the airline business, probably longshoremen, truckers, people who actually uh, move the freight from one continent to the other. Doesn't matter this dimwit. I'll be right back. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. What is it going to take to fire Anthony Fauci? What is it going to take to fire any Democrat, for that matter? Obviously, there's two systems of justice in this country. There's probably at least two, maybe several more, but not along the lines people are thinking. There's simply no question that Democrats and their friends in the bureaucracy are treated one way and everybody else is treated another. There's no question about it. If we had a Republican president, say, named Donald Trump, who is as imbecilic, incompetent, disastrous for the country as Joe Biden, does anybody think that that president, Donald Trump, would be treated the way Biden's treated? There's no way. Or if he had a son like Hunter Biden. You know, all of Donald Trump's kids are a success. Or what we call their mensches. But look at this. The Hill newspaper. Bipartisan legislators demand answers from Fauci on cruel puppy experiments. I'm sure you heard this today, but not from me. You know, when I first came on radio, again, almost 20 years ago, nobody talked about dogs. Nobody had a pet page on their website, as I do and I have since day one, for people to go there and share their thoughts about their, their own pets, particularly if they pass, in order to to get support from uh, from Levinites and so forth. Now, the time I actually wrote a book called Rescuing Sprite, the proceeds of which I provided to a no-kill shelter, actually several of them. This is something I believe in quite deeply. I don't brag about it. But it is what it is. And so we would start talking about dogs here. Um, Then it spread to cable TV where people started talking about their dogs and radio, their dogs. That's good. more talk about dogs, the better. And I hope these people who talk about it put their money where their mouth is. But I don't know. But this is sickening. This is sickening and the fact that the buck never stops with Fauci is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. From the Wuhan lab you know the the excuse always is that he can't be directly connected. It doesn't matter. bipartisan legislators demand answers from Fauci on cruel puppy experiments. The White Coat Waste group our investigators show that Fauci's NIH division Fauci's NIH division Ship part of a $375,800 grant to a lab in Tunisia to drug beetles excuse me to drug beagles, lock their heads in mesh cages filled with hungry sandflies so that the insects could eat them alive. Now, most of the members who signed this letter. To Fauci or Republicans, there's a few Democrats, so they, oh, look at this, it's bipartisan, but mostly it's not. A bipartisan letter demands answers from the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. That would be Anthony Fauci. The White Coat Waste Project, the nonprofit group that first pointed out the U.S. taxpayers were being used to fund the controversial Wuhan Institute of Virology, Now, that should have got his ass kicked all the way across the country, but... ...have now turned its sights on Anthony Fauci on another animal testing-related matter, infecting dozens of beagles, these are puppies, with disease-causing parasites to test an experimental drug on them. According to the White Coat Waste Project, the FDA does not require drugs to be tested on dogs, so the group is asking why the need for such testing. White Coat Waste claims 44 beagle puppies were used in a Tunisia North Africa lab. Some of the dogs had their vocal cords removed, allegedly so scientists could work without incessant barking. Leading the effort is Representative Nancy Mace, Republican South Carolina, writing a letter to the National Institutes of Health saying the cortidectomies are cruel, that is removing the vocal cords and a reprehensible misuse of taxpayer funds. Our investigators show that Fauci's NIH division shipped part of $375,800 grant to a lab in Tunisia to drug beagles and lock their heads in mesh cages. Did you see the the pictures, Mr. Producer, the two beagles? It'll turn your stomach. They also locked beagles alone in cages in the desert Overnight, for nine consecutive nights, they use them as bait to attract infectious sandflies. These little baby dogs. Mesa's letter was signed by representatives and it goes on. Any representative that doesn't sign that letter deserves to have their ass kicked out of Congress too. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases did not immediately respond to requests for comment from Changing America, which is uh, one of the organizations that's been digging into this. This is why it, it always amazes me when people have so much faith in the federal government. It spends trillions. Can you imagine how much of that money is used for things that we don't know about that are absolutely grotesque? These are little baby puppies, they're little puppy beagles, cute as can be. And the photo shows two of them, one lying on its right side, one on its left side, with their heads in these cages or whatever they are, like these aquarium things, right, Mr. Producer? And they can't move. Because their face is being chewed off its skull, And their brains are being eaten. And God knows what else. They're going up their nostrils and into their eardrums and everything else. These experiments. And Fauci pleads he doesn't know. Isn't that an offense enough, ladies and gentlemen, that he doesn't know? That should cost him his job. And of course, Joe Biden doesn't care. CNN, MSNBC, they don't care. None of them care. And if you're for abortion on demand one second before birth, and you believe that's a choice, and you believe everybody should pay for it, you don't have a heart and a soul anyway. You don't have a heart and a soul anyway. That's a human being. You want to pull them out? Kill them? There's something very sick about what's going on in this culture. There's something very sick about the Democrat Party that thinks this is the big issue. And women of all people, of both sexes. Did he say that? Of course I did. To be the ones arguing most vociferously for it. It it just it's it's unbelievable. It's mind numbing. Dr. Fauci's almost eighty one years old. That's enough already. He should be out of office. He's not irreplaceable. In fact, he's easily replaceable. He's made some lousy decisions. I had on my Fox program last night, as many of you know, Dr. Harvey Risch, who's world renowned. He's an immunologist from uh, Yale. And uh, he said all these drugs that they politicized, hydroxychloroquine, Intermycin on and on and on he went. He listed them. You saw it. He said that could have saved 80 to 85 percent of the people who died if we had aggressively given it to people early on. Is that not shocking? And these drugs, they're not toxic drugs. they've been around for decades. The intermycin, the inventor of that, got a Nobel Prize for medicine. And so CNN mocks it, as you know, the Joe Rogan situation, as a horse drug. It's not a horse drug. It's a human drug. Sometimes they have uh, multiple benefits for horses. and It's like gabapentin. Gabapentin is a human drug, but sometimes you give it to dogs and other animals because it has a, a positive effect in terms of relaxing muscles and so forth. So, so what? Does that make it a dog drug? Or the other one a horse drug? No, you only do those things if you're fraudulent, phony reporters pushing an agenda who basically burp up and spew whatever the government tells you to burp up and spew as long as the government's in the hands of a Marxist. So much damage has been done to our children. So much damage has been done to our country, our liberties, our psyche as a result of this man and the politicians who use him. We all know where he lies, where his politics are. Everybody. And I also asked Dr. Risch, what is this vaccine for 5 to 11 year, 12 year olds? Is there any science that supports it? He said, absolutely not. Plus, they're supposed to wear masks after they're vaccinated. There's no support for any of this. I'll be right back. Much
0: love in.
2: So the Democrats are out there saying the people who are not vaccinated are the enemy of the people, of the state, uh, despite the fact that, again, uh, Dr. Risch, Professor Risch of uh, Yale, pointed out that he believes around 70 percent of the population of the United States has had this virus. In some cases, it presents itself. in Some cases, it does not. We have almost 80% of the people in this country who've been vaccinated. A significant percentage of the remaining 20% have natural immunity. The CDC, the FDA, the NIH, uh, different uh, organizations under that umbrella, will not tell us how many. They either don't know or they don't want to tell us. This is very serious. Then next, it's the children. Then next, it's the children that are wear masks, even though they're vaccinated. And, of course, that won't cause any issues in school board meetings, will it? They just lie about everything. It's like this massive spending bill won't cost anything. It's all paid for. No, it's not. Everybody knows it's not, but they just keep repeating it because of the ignoramuses in their base. Why not keep repeating it? Um, we were in Charlottesville yesterday, and near the end of the program, I'll tell you why. But while we were there, minding our own business, Stacey Abrams was campaigning for Terry McAuliffe, Dave Matthews, that clown, who's from that area. He was there, I guess, so they could actually attract uh, people. And as we were driving through there... We saw your typical lily-white, left-wing kooks walking as quickly as they could to wherever this site was. So as you know, Charlottesville is a university town, University of Virginia. So it becomes quite clear to me that the base for Terry McAuliffe is to turn out as many blacks as possible because they're breaking... Internal Revenue Code tax laws, the Democrat Party is, and apparently the pastors too. Uh, In something I've never seen to this extent, that's certainly clear. And the elitist, wealthy, white professors, other academics, university students, and so forth. The suburbs, the middle class, whatever the race Not so much. He's expecting, that is McCulloch, that the suburban women will vote Democrat because he supports abortion on demand and paid for by everybody. That's how they view women. So what they do is they sit down around a table and they say, okay, this is how we approach blacks. This is how we approach Hispanics, although they haven't really done much outreach to Hispanics based on the advertising. This is how we approach the, the white liberals. And this is how we approach the White millennials. And that's what they do. And they go through grouping people, not as human beings, but based on some uh, superficial aspect of their life or their looks or whatever it is. That's what they're doing here. Barack Millhouse, Benito Obama was here, and I have to say he made a complete ass out of himself again. It was quite the clown show. My wife gets mad when I say it's a clown show because the circus is a good thing. circus is a good thing. But uh, Obama was here. Uh, He left one of his five multi-million dollar mansions. Or maybe he decided to get off some billionaire's yacht or whatever it was. He's been very busy. And we'll start this now. It'll continue to the next half hour. But I want you to hear this. Obama to rally for Terry McAuliffe. Hat tip, the blaze, cut, one, go.
0: All across the country, Democrats are trying to make it easier to vote, not make it harder to vote, and push back on Republicans. All right, let's stop.
2: Let's go to cut one.
0: We don't have time to be wasting on these phony, trumped-up culture wars, this fake outrage that right-wing media peddles to juice their ratings, and the fact that he's willing to go along with it, instead of talking about serious problems that actually affect serious people? That's a shame. That's not what this election's about. That's not what you need, Virginia. Instead of forcing our communities to cut back at a time when we're just starting to recover, we should be doing more to support people who are educating our kids and keeping our neighborhoods safe.
2: Okay, did you get any substantive information there at all? Yes, I did that the pathological liar Barack Milhouse Benito Obama came to Virginia and hasn't changed at all. He remains a pathological liar. So you see, all you parents out there, all you people concerned about your kids learning racism, whether you're black or white or brown or whatever, all you parents out there concerned about the rapes that took place in Loudoun County, two different high schools, and the cover-up by the school board. All you people who are concerned that your kids are being indoctrinated with the Barack Millhouse benito Obama agenda, rather than learning the basics and getting a quality education, which, which the statistics show is going down and down and down and down. You're just a bunch of clowns. You're a bunch of right-wingers watching right-wing news, people just trying to juice up their ratings, a phony culture war, all trumped up, and you don't know what you're talking about. So stop going to these school board meetings. Stop making noise. Support what the teachers' unions are doing. Support what the school boards are doing. Support the destruction of your children's minds and their psyche. Now keep in mind, Barack Millhouse Benito Obama sent his kids... ...to one of the most expensive private schools in Washington, D.C. Yes, he did. For most of their scholastic life, they didn't experience public schools. And by the way, so did Terry McAuliffe. He sent his kids... ...to one of the most expensive private schools in and around Washington, D.C. So there's Obama again. Guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars... Living a life that he could ever have imagined, going on and on, trashing people, trash mouthing people, and worst of all, lying, lying through his teeth. Yeah!
1: He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811.
2: More Obama. Now, one good thing is, when Obama used to do this, even when he was president of the United States, the candidates, more times than not, lost. Because people don't want to hear Obama screaming in their ear about bull crap. The amazing thing is, he has no connection anymore. To these poor communities of color and so forth. He hangs out with white liberals. I'm just being honest. On Mathis Vineyard. On their massive yachts. Billionaires on the west coast. The Tony crowd in Chicago. These, these are his friends. These are who he hangs out with. Typical of Marxists, isn't it? So here's the Obama to rally again from call of Saturday.
0: Cut to go. All across the country, Democrats are trying to make it easier to vote, not make it harder to vote, and push back on Republicans who are trying to systematically prevent ordinary citizens from making their voices heard.
2: And how's that? How are Republicans systematically preventing ordinary citizens from making their voices heard? How are they doing that? It's Zuckerberg who puts in over $400 million. To try and tip the scales. You see, for these guys, dark money, billionaires, front groups and all, that's okay. That's helping the little guy. It's helping the little guy. Let me ask you little guys out there. When the government wants to snoop into your bank accounts, is that okay? Let me ask the little guy out there. How's inflation? What about the the price of filling up your car? It's expensive. It is expensive. Or putting food on your table. Or making sure you can get toilet paper before the next run. I mean, run on toilet paper. (laughs) You get the point. Oh, yeah, they're always for the little guy, aren't they? Except the little guy suffers under their iron fist. Go ahead.
0: Just this past week, some of you probably saw, every Democrat in the Senate supported a bill that would protect the right to vote and ban partisan gerrymandering and, and reduce... The influence of dark money in our politics. Now,
2: now you see this? This is what I mean. He's a pathological, bald-faced liar. The dark money in politics, Schumer's using it now to try and hold a majority in the Senate. The Democrats used it to change election laws through multiple uh, states in the last election. We talked about that. Over $700 million in dark money. We talked about the over $400 million in Zuckerberg's dark money. And this jerk is accusing the Republicans of doing what they do. He's talking about gerrymandering. You know, they're gerrymandering in New York to eliminate two Republicans. And they're gerrymandering in Illinois to eliminate two Republicans. And they're gerrymandering in California. So in other words, they're trying to prevent the actual numbers of of Republicans that should be represented in these states uh, by gerrymandering. Now, gerrymandering has been going on since the beginning of Congress. And it's not a matter of trying to prevent people to vote or attack their representation. It's done in Democrat states. It's done in Republican states. Otherwise, it's handed over to the bureaucracy. You don't give the bureaucracy, and some states give it to judges. You ought not give judges the power to determine congressional seats. That you should not do. But let me tell you what he's really talking about, because this is going on right now at the Department of Justice and in the Democrat Party. As you know, the Democrat Party re- relies on minority votes. That's why they're breaking law in Virginia right now, federal tax law, with the Kamala Harris videos at these churches. These nonprofit churches that have a nonprofit status, a non tax status as a result of their representation, that among other things, they're a charity and nothing more and nothing less. Here's what they want. They want to use the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the provision that the Supreme Court didn't eliminate but said that's enough already. These states are not you – know, we don't see any pattern of racism in the, in, the, in the election decisions in any of these states. And by the way, it includes states like Pennsylvania and so where They've expanded even into the north. And so, no, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to extend it as applies to the states. We'll extend it as applies to individuals if you're racially discriminated against so forth. But states are, you know, they are their own sovereignty, and we can't have a division within the Department of Justice, Civil Rights Division, the voting Division, which is run by a bunch of leftists, assume that these states are guilty when you come here to the United States Supreme Court and you can't even make your case that there's a pattern of decisions based on race, to prevent minorities from voting, particularly blacks. You haven't made your case. It's not here. So they say, look at that. The Supreme Court took the vote away from minorities. Nobody's taken votes away from anybody. But what Obama means is there should be gerrymandering if it means more minority seats, but there should not be gerrymandering if it means more Republican seats. That's, that's what it comes down to. He's a fraud. He's power-hungry. He's also money-hungry. Most Marxists are.
0: Go ahead. Every Democrat voted for it. Every Republican voted against it.
2: What's in the bill, Barack? What else is in the bill? What else is in the bill? Do you think, ladies and gentlemen, voting rolls should every few years be reviewed and cleansed of dead people or people who've moved? Sounds like a good idea. Well, that would be banned. Do you think people should have to show a voter identification? There have been polls done, including in uh, black communities and other minority communities, over 80% that people say yes. Well, that was in the bill, too, that they wanted to have, banning voter ID. What else was in this bill? I don't know. Do you think 16- and 17-year-olds should be able to register? Do you think people should be able to register as opposed to the word citizens? All that's in the bill. Do you think people should be able to vote in any precinct they want? That might get kind of tough to keep track of, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's in the bill. You think there should be signature comparison requirements? Of course not. Well, then you would like the bill because they didn't require it. So they want to nationalize, you know, state voting rules, which Obama doesn't talk about really in a way that's never been done before, certainly. Not so every legitimate citizen can vote, but anybody can vote any number of times, whether they're a citizen or not. Count every vote. They never say count every legitimate vote. Have you noticed? So they will destroy the voting system. And they're so self-righteous. And the Democrats are so stupid that they want you to believe that all they're trying to do is make sure everybody can vote. That's all. And the Republicans, you know, they have a long history of Jim Crow. Wait a minute. That's the Democrats. The Democrats who supported slavery and segregation and Jim Crow, the Democrats today, who, who are the American Marxists, the party is the party of the American Marxists, excuse me, Democratic Socialists, they don't support individual liberty. They don't support unalienable rights. They don't even talk about those things, ever. They don't treat black people, white people, Asian people, you know, as individual human beings. They never talk about individual human beings. They use people, and they use race to use people, and they use our schools to push race and use people. Go ahead.
0: Uh, There's a little bit of an aside, but you have to ask yourself, why is it Republicans don't want you to vote?
2: Republicans don't want you to vote. What are you talking about, pal? Republicans don't want you to vote? This is what I mean. And he's talking mostly, he's in a relatively heavy minority area. Just remember where the real push for racism began. Began under Obama. Obama. They want to, quote, systematically prevent ordinary citizens from making their voices heard. That's you. Republicans, independents, conservative Democrats, You want to systematically prevent people's voices from being heard? That's them. That's big tech. That's big media. If you have an example, Obama, of somebody preventing a person from voting, who has every right to vote, and I'll give you more specifics, who's a minority, then they have a federal cause of action under the 1965 Voting Rights Act that has not been taken away. So where are all these lawsuits, all these federal causes of action? From people who've been prevented from voting, or he says, from making their voices heard. Where's that? That's nowhere. Obama came into Virginia to lie, which is all he ever does. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go.
0: As far as I can tell, the big message of Terry's opponent is that he's a regular guy because he wears police. Oh, and he's accusing schools of brainwashing our kids. He's also said he wanted to audit the voting machines used in the last presidential election again. All right, hold on.
2: Really? Hold, hold, hold on a second. And say he wanted to audit the voting machines. If the state legislature wants to audit the election, that's fine. But what Obama doesn't tell you, of course, is that. McAuliffe questioned the 2000 election many years after it occurred. As the DNC leader is going on about George W. Bush being the illegitimate president, did the same thing to Donald Trump after 2016. As a matter of fact, so did Obama. So did Michelle Obama with the Russia collusion crap. So did Hillary Clinton. So did the media. So did the whole Democrat Party. Maybe you want to audit? Oh, that's so funny. Well, you want to audit? Hey, that's a funny one. No, it's Russia collusion. Wait a minute. That's serious.
0: Go ahead. Encouraging the lies and conspiracy theories that we've had to live through all this time? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen,
2: you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. These people are hucksters. They're fraudsters. They don't give an S about your kids. You can hear him mocking. Terry McAuliffe says the same thing. The seriousness of which you're dealing with critical race theory, with transgenderism as a movement, which is unbelievable, with all the rest of the radical left agenda, just keep something in mind. McAuliffe, Obama, all of them, they need the thugs that run the teachers' unions. They need them. They believe they've owned the educational system for decades, and they have. Parents have awakened because they saw what was happening a year and a half ago, two years ago, to their children by watching. You've watched on the computer screen. Obama didn't watch a damn thing. Obama doesn't give a crap about your kids. As a matter of fact, he doesn't give a crap about black kids in the inner city. He opposed school choice. The champion of school choice was Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Now, there was once a governor in Virginia. His name was Douglas Walder. He was the first black governor of Virginia and the last black governor of Virginia because the Democrats voted to defeat two black women who wanted to be their nominees for governor and voted for Terry McAuliffe. So the irony that he is in these black churches and black communities with black politicians and, and, uh, and other iconic figures coming into these communities saying, vote. Vote vote for Terry McAuliffe. He'll represent you best in Richmond, Virginia. Really? Are you kidding me? And the candidate for lieutenant governor on the Republican side, which none of the, the black Democrats ever mentioned, of course, when there were Terry McAuliffe, is a black woman. Winston Sears, born in Jamaica, a naturalized American citizen. As soon as she could, they jo- she joined the United States Marine Corps and served in the Marines started her own small business, and now is running for lieutenant governor. There's a tremendous candidate. There's the American dream, but no. Do you know who's running for lieutenant governor under Terry McAuliffe, Mr. Bledis? Nobody knows. Another Democrat hack. I'll be right back.
0: Mark Levin.
2: Get your copies of American Marxists. Mark, I have a copy already. Okay. What about as a gift for the holidays? And you do need to think early. Because believe it or not, if you want to give somebody a book, a book, a book is made out of paper. Paper comes from lumber. There's a lumber shortage right now. Take my word for this. I believe I told you last week, my publisher said, I think we're okay. We've tried to print enough books for the holidays. I said, what do you mean we think we're okay? Plus, you know, we have printing presses. We have these, these assembly lines where these things are done. Okay. Well, they have to get help there too, and it's not so easy. So all these things that we expect to exist, when you go into a grocery store, you go into... Like, like we were looking for barbells. Basically, barbells a few months ago, they didn't have any. Because apparently barbells are almost all made in communist China. They didn't have any barbells, Mr. producer And here I am. Luckily, we already had some. But I'm just telling you, if you're looking for gifts and so forth, get your copies of American Financing. I don't think it'll be 40% off forever. Uh, you can get them in any major store. Costco still has them. Uh, of course, Barnes & Noble. Walmart. They all do a great job. Sam's, BJ's, um books a million can't think of everybody target but absolutely at amazon.com please acquire your copies now while you still can take my word for this i'll be right back
0: he's here he's here
2: One of the first hours, maybe hour and a half, I spent a lot of time on a columnist by the name of Jackie Combs, C-A-L-M-E-S. She writes for the L.A. Times. At one point, she wrote for the New York Times. You know, it's all interchangeable. And she was a reporter. Now, she's an opinion writer, and that's typically how these outlets get their opinion writers. They yank them out of the reporting pools, such as those are, because there's really no difference. And of course, she drew the attention of Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter is a halfwit, absolute halfwit, who uh, not only apparently had a face injury, but I think a head injury, Mr. Producer. But whatever it is, guys is dumb as hell and utterly predictable. He has no ratings, so why is he on TV? Because Jeff Motherzucker thinks he's great. Because Jeff Motherzucker knows that when it comes to a punk doing what he wants him to do. Nobody better than B.S. Brian Helter Stelter, a useless media clown. That's what he really is. Then they bring in this Jackie Combs like she said something new. She hasn't said anything new. Uh, I have an entire book on this, as you know, on Freedom of the Press, and an entire chapter on all these so-called reporters saying it's time that we not be, uh, you know, objective, and we should take sides, and this is a different time, and we got to deal with this. But it's not new. It's something that is taught in journalism schools throughout America um, by people like this this clown, Professor Rosen, but many, many others. I've told you it's called uh, public journalism or community journalism. And the ideology behind this is a left-wing ideology that used to push social activism. You don't just report stories. There has to be a purpose. And they love the late, not-so-great John Dewey. One of the early uh, so-called progressive intellectuals that we've talked about and I've written about, so I won't cover that again. So these are ideologues. These are American Marxists. They support these various American Marxist movements. They would say, you're calling me a Marxist? They are what they are. I said American Marxists, not Soviet Marxists, not Castro-American Marxism, a certain type of Marxism. That's what they are. That's what Jackie Combs is, in my view and so they're very brazen now and they're telling you we're not going to try to be objective or impartial we're not even going to try and pursue those those worthy goals anymore we are self-righteous the enemy trump gingrich the republican party they're just too right wing they're too right wing ladies and gentlemen yeah they do all these right wing things like what like what I mean, the ascendancy is all in one area, the left. The left's never too left-wing, you'll notice. So Jackie Combs, in my educated opinion, is a fraud, a hack, a buffoon. Who's being interviewed by the same? Cut 17, hat-tip newsbusters, go.
1: I want to dive right into your argument uh, about what both-siderism is. uh, Okay, first
2: of all, it's not her argument. I would argue she stole that argument from others, both-siderism. They always come up with these names. They think they're cute. They want to wind up in a dictionary. Mr. Producer, don't to be. Can we call it dictionary anymore? What should we call it? Just a shineri, right? I'm not trying to be rude or crude. I'm. I'm just saying it's called a dictionary, right? Why is it called a dictionary? Now, I'm just thinking, you know, like a typical Marxist left-winger. It should be called a shenary without the first word. Don't you think, Rich? So for now on the Mark Levin show, because we always want to be politically correct here, we're never calling a dictionary a dictionary again. where would they come up with this word dictionary? Obviously, it's... It's this male, white, dominant society that came up with dictionary. And everybody's out there saying, I have a dictionary. I'm going to look it up in the dictionary. What does Webster's dictionary say? Dictionary. It's offensive. And it's not gender neutral. So I think chenery is what we'll call it for now. T-I-O-N-A-R-Y. It's a shenary, not a dictionary. Uh, in any event, I, uh, I took a left turn. Go. I want to dive right into your argument uh, about right. what both siderism is. Oh, uh, right. Both siderism. In other words, forget about being objective and impartial, pursuing those goals, reporting the news. No, 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 no. Be a hack for the left. And then we always knew they were. And as I explained in my book, this has been going on for decades. It's just now they're totally out of the closet with their dictionaries, Mr. Peterson. And he's excited, Brian Stout. Oh, he's always excited. He's got that, got that look on his face like he just devoured about 12 cupcakes. Go ahead. And why
1: it's failing the public. Who, who's, you know, is it that we're treating Democrats and Republicans equally and ignoring GOP radicalism? Is it radicalism? Yes, is I that think the it of... is.
2: This guy is stuck in pre-bubescent uh, teenage life. Look, I don't have the best voice in the world, but at least I don't have his. He's stuck on Minnie Mouse. Look, is it the problem we're having with the GOP radicalism? Is that the heart of the problem? I just, I just I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Really, I am. I work at CNN, of course. We're just trying to figure it out. Is it, is it Trump? Is it Gingrich? Is it the right-wing scum? What is it? What is it? What are, what are we trying to do? And by the way, this guy, his show I think is called Reliable Sources. Isn't that pretty funny? It's a show in the media. To show in the media, it should be called lapdog sources. We can't wait to hear from Jackie Combs. Go ahead.
3: In in a sense, I mean, I there's no there's no question that um, journalists are recognizing the radicalization of the Republican. Oh, Party. by
2: the way, she sounds like a sharpie, doesn't she?
3: Oh, look, there's a. <laughs>
2: There's no question journalists are recognizing the radicalization of the Republican Party. Oh, it's so radical, the Republican Party. Secure the border. Fiscal conservatism. Quality education, not ideology education. Oh, it's so damn radical. Don't destroy our economic system. Please don't riot and burn down our buildings and kill people. You know, stuff like that. Oh, the radicalization. Now, she doesn't talk about the radicalization of the Democrat Party, the anti-Semitism, the racism, the Marxism, all the other isms. No, 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 no. Because she's one of them. She's one of them. And then she comes off like some kind of a pseudo-intellectual. Yes, yes, they all want to sound like Bill Buckley was a real intellectual. Yes, yes, there, there's no question that journalists are recognizing the radicalization of the Republican Party. You know, the Republican Party, in a sense, was born of radicalization. It was created to oppose slavery. To oppose slavery.
3: That is, to oppose the Democrat Party. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I think what's changed a little bit is that since Trump left office, there's more of a sense that that maybe we're back to normal. No way. Um, But it is, uh, you know, this is not a new problem or a new, you know, dynamic. No, you actually stole this from several
2: others, and I can prove it. Uh, But they were just as stupid as you are.
3: Go ahead. First started to chafe. You mentioned I was at the New York Times. She's chafing,
2: Mr. Producer. She first started to chafe. You know, they sell powder for that, don't they, Rich, at the uh, CVS? Powder, maybe you can get an ointment. She's chafing. Uh, kind of gross. Go ahead.
3: 18 years before that, I was at the Wall Street Journal.
2: Oh, so yeah. she was at the New York Times. Then the Wall Street Journal. She was at the New York Times. Now, of course, the New York Times, as we all know, having listened to this program, was the main media outlet to cover up the Holocaust. It was also the main media outlet that had as its its, uh, bureau chief in Berlin a clown that was sympathetic to the Third Reich. They also had, as we know in Moscow in 1932, a clown who was sympathetic to Stalin. And as we also know, they had a reporter who went to Cuba to report on Castro and was sympathetic to Castro. We also know the paper has been laced with anti-Semitism even in modern times. And she's proud, you see. She's worked for the New York Times. That's not radical. No, no. Listen, I, uh, you know, I was at first, I was at the New York Times. I'm so proud of myself. Then for 18 years, I was at the Wall Street Journal. You know, I've got, I've got decades of experience being an idiot.
3: Go ahead. I've never done my job. You know, it's more, to, more than a quarter century. I've never done my job. or. Didn't more than a quarter well.
2: century. You don't look a day over 60 or 70 in my humble opinion. I say that with all due respect. Go right ahead.
3: ...order any differently at both papers, even though the journal is known as a conservative paper. No, the
2: journal is not known as a conservative paper. It has a conservative editorial page.
3: Hello, hello! But she worked there, so I guess she knows. Go ahead. The New York Times is a liberal paper. They both gave news the same way, which was fact-based. No, and- no, 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 no.
2: No, they didn't. I just gave you, how can you say it's fact-based when they covered up the genocide against the Ukrainians by Stalin, when they covered up for most of the Holocaust the slaughter of the European Jews by Hitler? How how can you say it's fact-based? Plus, they have so many reprobates and low-IQ dummies writing over there, they wouldn't know a fact if it slapped them in the face. Go ahead. I've...
3: Try to always, I think I'm a very fair reporter, and give both sides. So far, all
2: she does is talk about herself. Have you noticed that, folks? Listen, you know, I worked at the New York Times, and then after that, I worked at the Wall Street Journal. 25 years of incredible, brilliant, genius experience, I tell you. I've always done my job. Quarter century, did I mention I worked at the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal? I've always done my job, as well as I can, as an objective, fact-based reporter, you know. I'm just Swell, a fair reporter,
3: always with the both sides, always. Go ahead. But what started to happen back in the mid-90s with the takeover of the Is House... Is that by the la-
2: Republicans grew apparent and started to fight back. And this has a very... up The mid-90s, you know, when Newt Gingrich and the guys and gals came in with the Contract for America, actually took the House of Representatives away from the Democrats... That's when the radicalism started. When the Republicans just didn't roll over and play dead like the the Ford crowd. then we had Gingrich and then we so it was a nasty you know before him we had Reagan, oh my God, we had Reagan, we had Gingrich. can't have that. And of course Trump, Trump can you believe Trump oh no, my
3: God! Oh the inhumanity! Go ahead and in particular, Newt Gingrich. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Who cares what you think? I'll be right back.
0: Mark in
2: From, uh, you know, at the end of my talk show, I always take about two minutes to have closing comment. And this was my, and by the way, we had Tim Scott on last night. He is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Remember, he wouldn't come on, and so, well, he came on, and he was great. Nothing to fear. And uh, Dr. Rish, who was terrific, too. I hope you got to watch him. This was my closing thought after going through what was taking place in this country uh, on last night's program, Cut 21 Go. You see the growing tyranny, mandates, disinformation, a rogue administration, and so much more. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I've been talking about and writing about in American Marxism. We are experiencing this right now. As I said on the back leaf of the book, American Marxism has made great progress toward instituting its goals over the last several years. If it's to be defeated as it must, albeit a daunting and complex mission, its existence must first be acknowledged and labeled for what it is. The urgency of the moment must be realized in the emergence of a unified patriotic front of previously docile, divergent, and or disputatious societal, cultural, and political factions and forces, which have in common their belief that America is worth defending, must immediately galvanize around and rally to the cause. And we see this happening more and more, including in our school districts and elsewhere. We must rise to the challenge, as did our founding fathers, when they confronted the most powerful force on earth, the British Empire, and defeated it. Admittedly, in numerous ways, today's threat is more Byzantine, as it now inhabits most of our institutions and menaces from within, making engagement difficult and complicated. Nonetheless, I fervently believe America, as we know it, will be forever lost if we do not prevail. And prevail we must. Please get your copy of American Marxism. Spread the word. We are uniting. We are pushing back. We believe in liberty. And there we have it. And you folks know this quite well. But it's all true. It's all true and it's getting worse. But again, there you are under the radar. There are people who do not understand what we're doing. Many of them are on TV and radio. Or they pretend that this stuff is just... Sort of generic, it's just happening. Spontaneous. Well, tyranny is not spontaneous. Tyranny is organized. Very highly organized, highly structured, well-funded. They have enormous resources. Very extensive communication capacity, indoctrination, propagandizing left and right. Through a media and other sources. This rise of the American people, which has really been triggered by you in this audience and us together, whether it's school boards or elsewhere, is not just something that's spontaneous. It's something that has required a lot of people to give up a little bit of time, some people a lot of time, and to work at activism. And that's what many of you are doing. It's one thing to talk over the dinner table, but it's more important. I'm not against that in the least, but it's more important to go down the street and talk to a neighbor or to accompany a parent or a taxpayer to a school board meeting or to organize a group to go to a shareholders meeting. If you disagree with the way a company has been handling vaccine mandates, it's not enough to call me and complain about it. It's not enough for me to complain about it. Go to the next shareholder meeting. You're an investor in that company. Ask them about their board of directors, how each person was selected. Look at the background of each one. Many of them are hard left. Look at their donations over a period of time. Ask them why they're not spending more time on creating profits and creating a profitable environment. Because that's why they're there. That is their number one job, and that's why you invested in it, whether it's $10 or 10000 or or $100,000 in your entire pension. Go to those shareholder meetings. Make yourself heard the way that other people have made themselves heard. And so this is what I'm talking about. There's many things we can do. We've already started at the school board level. Now we need to do it at the corporate level. In another way, things don't just happen. It takes people to organize. Thank you. I'll be right back.
1: Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811.
2: Let's go to John St. Louis, Missouri on the Mark Levin app. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you. Mark, you know, I've never called
1: your show before. I just got off the phone with my my son. I'm not going to say his name. No. He's been an ICE agent for two years. He left the county police department to go to ICE. Mm-hmm. And now I just got a phone with him. He said it's he's probably going to wind up losing his job because he's not going to take the vaccine mandate.
2: Let me ask you and a few questions. Good. Do we know if he's had this virus or not?
1: He's not had the virus.
2: Okay. Now, he and the others, because he's not alone, need to get a good lawyer. They need to look at the 14th Amendment. The Equal Protection Clause, because in my view, every citizen, even non-citizen of the United States, is not being treated the same way under the same circumstances. So when they're letting illegal aliens in, and ironically enough, he's a border patrol agent who do not have to go through the vaccine process at all, and don't even have to be tested, as I understand it and are being led into the United States and actually being transported into places, into the interior of the United States, and then your son, who works for the United States government, whose job it is to prevent those people from coming in and violating our immigration laws, among other things, uh, he's being held to a different standard. So under those circumstances, I think he, that all these guys, gals, have a good equal protection argument. Furthermore, if the emergency is as... At this point, as the government says, then why wouldn't the government ensure that people are not coming into this country illegally, let alone with a virus or other diseases? So there are factual and constitutional arguments, I believe, that can be made. Uh, I went through, when did I do that hour, Mr. Producer? Do you remember off the top of your head? We should put that in a best of, for sure, or on our podcast, too, or whatever. Um, I did a show about a week and a half ago where I, the first hour was spent on all the legal issues. But that's what I would do. I would encourage him to join others, because I'm sure he's not alone, to get a good lawyer and bring a suit and go right at the teeth of this thing. Does that make sense to you? You still there? I guess John's gone. Although I didn't hear him hang up, so maybe something happened with the phone. I don't know. Let's go to Burt. Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. I love Dallas, Texas. I love their stakes in and around Dallas, Texas. Go right ahead. Hello? Well, Mr. Producer, we have a phone problem. Now, here's the interesting thing about our phone problem, folks. Didn't they put in a brand new system, Rich? A brand new system. We couldn't take calls for two days. And now we can't reach anybody. Well, I'd say that's a... What's that? We'll have to call the same engineers who put it in, I guess, right? All right, folks, I can't take any calls because I can't hear you. So let me move back to this other... Hold on one second. One second. Give me a second. Here we are. I wanted to tell you, and I forgot, but now I'm back. ...about Doug Walder. Remember I mentioned him? Former Virginia governor, first black governor of Virginia, last black governor of Virginia. He is disgusted with McAuliffe and Kamala Harris. And as is reported here in Yahoo, Douglas Walder, the only black governor of Virginia's history... Is no fan of the video endorsement Vice President Kamala Harris made for Terry McAuliffe, which is being played Sundays in hundreds of the Old Dominion's black church. I mean, it's so illegal. It's so in your face. McAuliffe is pushing it. The White House is pushing because they know nobody's going to charge them. They know nobody's going to go after them because they own the whole damn government. Now, when we own it, right, when we have all the branches of government... We have whistleblowers, whistleblowers, with their dog whistles, just blowing whistles all over the place. Oh, and then we have congressional hearings. We have the Washington Compost and CNN. You get it. The ad, which ethics and legal experts say is a clear violation of IRS rules, as I pointed out weeks ago, is set to continue playing right up until the November 2 gubernatorial election. They don't care. And by the way, I'm not the only one. About a week after I pointed this out, Jonathan Turley said the same thing. Anybody who is a serious lawyer, who knows something about how this works, knows that this is illegal. So the, uh, the Democrat Party, as it says here, is pulling out all the stops to ensure black turnout, even breaking the IRS law. But a thumbs down from the 90-year-old Wilder, a Democrat, highly respected voice in Virginia politics for decades, is significant. Again, African-American. He says, well, it's very good for her to do that, meaning Harris, causing these churches to lose their tax-exempt status, he quipped, referring to the Johnson Amendment we read to you and talked about, a rule that prohibits 501c3 tax-exempt charities, uh, and they are also churches, from engaging in any political activity. If this is legal, then it's a surprise to me, said the former Democrat governor. Walder understands what's at stake in the race between McAuliffe, who served as governor from 2014 to 2018, and Republican challenger Glenn Youngkin. Calling in Harris, the first vice president of color, to gin up black support shows Democrats know the race is deadlocked. In Virginia, the Democratic candidate has to have a strong turnout of black Americans, and if McAuliffe doesn't get that, you're going to see some problems, Walder, who spoke from his home in Richmond. Walder cannot stand McAuliffe. And I'll tell you why. Because McCulloch never showed him the respect that he deserved. Walters actually, <clears throat> except for a few errors, he was a fairly moderate Democrat. It's a fairly moderate Democrat. I don't think he embraces any of this radical crap. Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris and so forth and so on. And of course, even the failed mayor of Atlanta came up here and campaigned for Terry McCulloch Because Terry McCulloch. Uh, doesn't have the ability to, quote-unquote, win the election on his own. He's a disaster. He's a disaster, but there's now more Democrats in Virginia than Republicans. Another state that may just finally, or for all time, go down the tubes if we can't turn this election. But they're pulling out all the stops. You should see the ads they're running, uh, trying to turn McCulloch into Trump because Trump lost the state by 10 points, and Then bringing up Charlottesville and selectively cherry-picking and editing in a way that is just awful. And, of course, they know they have the Washington Compost in their back pocket, and the Richmond Times-Dispatch now used to be a conservative paper in their back pocket, and the Norfolk paper, all the papers all over the state of Virginia. All the media, for the most part, in their back pocket. So McCulloch can kind of say and do whatever he wants. But McCulloch really believes that parents should not have a role in how and what their children are educated about. He really believes that, having sent his kids to very, very expensive private schools. Now, these Loudoun County schools are very, very expensive. There's a very high property tax rate in this county. It's the richest, one of the richest, I think it's the richest county in America. If you don't count these pretend counties and towns, you know, with 14 people in them. It's got a lot of high-tech here. I told you before, over 80% of the Internet traffic travels through Loudoun County, Virginia. They've got a lot of federal workers here. They have a lot of federal contractors here, a number of universities that people attend. People live in Loudoun County, Virginia. Uh, Also, there's Dulles Airport, where one administration after another likes to drop off illegal aliens in the middle of the night. There's a lot of people from Afghanistan who were brought to Dulles and so forth. The county has, since I moved here about, good Lord, what is it, 20 years ago, to try and get out to a more rural area. It's not rural anymore. Parts of it are rural, but it's uh, it's getting densely populated. When I was out here, I don't remember how many people. Maybe 120,000. Now there's like almost 400,000. People moving in from Maryland... From Washington Democrats. Uh, they can't build enough apartment complexes and townhouses here in line with HUD. Uh, and then they build the subway, and pull it all the way out to Loudoun County. So in other words, they kind of incorporated Loudoun County into Metropolitan Washington, where it wasn't really part of Metropolitan Washington before. And so you had this one election in January, they took over the school board or in November, in January, they took over the school board, the Democrats, for the first time in God knows how long, six to three, and immediately went to work, immediately, trying to destroy the school system. The Board of Supervisors know better. They're looking into reparations in Lownden County, reparations. Reparations. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I believe reparations should be paid by the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party supported segregation. The Democrat Party supported slavery. And the Democrat Party was what led the, the, uh, the, the Confederacy. So the Democrat Party should pay reparations. I have no problem with that whatsoever. None. And it's something I've been saying for many, many years. That the Democrat Party should pay reparations. Now the Democrats control the Loudoun County... Board of Supervisors, they, they now control the prosecutor's job. Uh, Soros put her in there. Oh, I mentioned Soros. I must be an anti-Semite, Mr. Producer. Maybe Soros is the anti-Semite, ladies and gentlemen. Anybody here think of that? I mean, he's got, in my view, credentials for that. Me, I'm just a nice guy. And Jewish. All that said, he put her in there. She's a hack, just like all the other prosecutors. How come he's not investigated? They never bring that jackass in front of a committee of Congress and go through his, his donations. I remember when uh, Richard Mellon Scaife was a billionaire of the Mellon family, a tremendously nice man and a real philanthropist. But he would support conservative groups. He started and contributed many of these conservative legal groups in the 70s. So in 1972 and beyond, he was a major benefactor of heritage and these other organizations, so they tried to destroy him. Clinton, I remember when Time Magazine and Newsweek used to say, oh, look at all these connections to Richard Bell and he did and on and on and on, and tried to destroy him. But the man was solid as a rock, a patriot. You don't see any of this with George Soros. If he's say anything, oh, you must be an anti Semit. No, I hate the guy's guts. It has nothing to do with faith. And I didn't know he was a prominent Jew. Where is he a prominent Jew? He donates to these organizations, some of which have, you know, Jewish frontage, if you will, that hate the state of Israel. He hates the state of Israel. That's my opinion. In any event, I'll be right back.
0: Mark Lovin.
2: Yesterday morning, uh, my brother in law, my wife's brother, my mother in law's son passed away. He was only 64. He was a brilliant man. He was an independent spirit. He was the earliest Trump supporter, by the way, that I had ever met, that I ever knew. He was a very, very nice man. He was funny. He was sort of old school in the way he thought about things. Uh, He could see this American Marxist movement before most of us. He'd worked some time in the Reagan administration. He would befriend anybody and everybody. It didn't matter who they were, what their lifestyles were. It didn't matter to him in the least. In the least. As a matter of fact, he preferred regular people. And he moved out to West Virginia, had a plot of land out there, uh, loved animals, had some exotic animals, uh, was truly a unique individual in so many ways. And a huge presence. Two lovely daughters. Uh a mother and father who adored him, a sister who adored him. And I got to know him, and I adored him too. And he will be greatly missed. He was only 64. I think I mentioned that. He had a variety of ailments, but uh, we didn't expect him to go. Certainly not this fast. And so uh, I just want to say uh, to Joe Strauss, That we love him and uh, rest in peace. He can say hello to his father, Leo, his uncle, Bernie. Say hello to my father, Jack, my mother, Norma. Because none of us ever escape here. It's just a matter of when our time has come. Just a matter of when. He also had a niece named Jenna, my stepdaughter, who's who's a brilliant doctor resident, every day was there, and uh, and a nephew, David, who has a very, very big heart, and my daughter Lauren, my son Chase. We all are going to miss Joe, all of his friends will too, and I want to thank you. I either won't be here Wednesday or Thursday, I'm not sure yet, but I will be here tomorrow. And God bless each and every one of you.